Welcome back to the Atlanta Construction Podcast. Uh, very excited uh, for our podcast today. This is an against the clock featured podcast in association with Construction Clock, uh, the first hands-free time tracking app dedicated to the construction industry. Uh, we're pleased to welcome uh, Marco Gallo, founder of uh, 812 Building Solutions. And we're going to be discussing today just a really uh, exciting, um, unique, and uh, uh, interesting podcast. Uh, uh, project and construction uh uh contract with uh with raw almond uh for for pop-up restaurants in uh some some crazy locations but uh firstly marco thanks for uh thanks for being with us uh here today thank you for having me and yeah excited to talk about the wild and weird world of pop-up restaurants yeah for sure so um to get started uh yeah just give us kind of the 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 down low on uh Raw Almond as a client and uh, sort of when you started to, to build these pop-up restaurants before we get into some of the uh, some of the interesting details. So it's a local uh, architect that uh, started a art gallery in downtown Winnipeg, uh, teamed up with a, a restaurateur that owned a restaurant in Winnipeg to uh, do these pop-up restaurants on the ice every single year uh, at the Forks in downtown Winnipeg. So it's where our two rivers meet. Uh, they would do a pop-up restaurant for 20 days. They, it became a design competition for the, the stylization of the, of the building itself. Uh, and then they fly in chefs from around the world for high-end dining, five-course meals. And uh, we have to somehow keep them warm and keep a kitchen operational on, on ice in the middle of winter. Wow. Can you, for our listeners, before we go any further, just define a pop-up restaurant, assuming it's uh you know it's it's temporary so it's a temporary structure um we still have to abide by all health and safety standards for exiting uh health and safety for food prep um, all those things lighting egress uh it's completely on the frozen river in winnipeg uh and yeah i, I guess that kind of covers it the mm-hmm. the pop-up aspect it, it is completely temporary it goes up and then it comes back down otherwise it would melt and disappear in the spring right so typically how long are they left up just for the winter season i'm assuming or kind of a, a month or so in, in in between in the safest time with the temperatures you know certain degree and yeah it's usually about 30 days total gives us about a week and a half for build and then there's you know 20 to 25 days of seedings um and then it, and then it comes back down again it usually starts first week of january for the build because we at that point the ice is safe. We've got about two to two and a half feet of ice at that time of year. So we can drive trucks and trailers and lifts and all kinds of things to get our materials and equipment down there. So how many of these, how many of these pop-up restaurants have you built uh, for ROM and thus, thus far? We've done seven in Winnipeg. Uh, we've done one in Gimli, which is a little lake town. Uh, about an hour drive north of Winnipeg, and then we did the one in Churchill, Manitoba, which is a flight away, and it's on the on the bay in northern Manitoba. So, uh, anyone who's going to these restaurants to dine, they'd be taking like a, a Cessna, some kind of a a plane out to the location. Churchill does have a uh, it's not an international airport, but it is a puddle jumper airport to go farther north to Baffin right. Island. Right. Um, but yeah, they're, they're decent sized commercial flights, you know, 
80, 80 seater kind of planes. Uh, but that's the only way in and out of Churchill. Um, you used to be able to go by rail, but since some mudslides and things, it's become increasingly difficult to get to Churchill by rail. Wow. So for anyone listening now at this point, uh, builders that are listening, they're, they're probably thinking like logistic wise, uh, materials, labor, uh, challenges, you know, so many challenges that one would assume, uh, Tell us a little bit about, obviously, you know, I'm assuming the materials shipped out in a sea can and, but tell us some of the, some of the, some stories of maybe, you know, a milestone, one of these seven, uh, just of some, some challenges you've had to overcome, uh, with, with such, a such drastic conditions. Wind is horrible as everyone in the construction industry knows. Um, it's one thing to have your, your mind and your body fail, but tools just tend to stop working at you know, minus 25, minus 30, especially air powered tools, we start to get condensation and those just, they just fall out on you. Um, battery life expectancy is horrible. Um, in the Winnipeg aspect, you know, we are a major city, we've got hardware stores and Home Depots and all those good things. But when we start to go more remote, um, it, it's not just, oh, someone go jump in the truck and go pick up a box of number eight Robbie's and come back again. It's a little more complicated than that. So in Churchill specifically, uh, it's sort of like gambling going to the hardware store. You don't really know what you're going to get and you have to be comfortable adapting to a situation and um, hot rotting these things together in certain cases. So how does that work with uh, with the hard spec and, and plans or are you able to be creative uh on the design is that you have full control then is that what there's certainly some fluidity to how it goes together uh the the churchill build um was prefabricated to avoid as many of these uh issues as possible so uh everything got shipped to us and was you know pre-measured and all those good things uh and then a lot of redundancies of let's ship three of those. We only need one. Let's ship five of those. We only need two uh, in the event that something breaks in transit or doesn't fit, or we have to, you know, adapt in, in the situation. So what about safety wise? Like as far as uh, safety standards, um, you know, do you think in the typical toolbox talks, but is there visits from, from the safety uh, third party? Uh, often or more frequent because of the nature of the project? It's surprisingly less frequent because it's it's sort of borderlining on a sculptural installation as well as uh, an occupiable space at the same time. Because of its classification then, okay, yeah. And then especially in Churchill, the the safety, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a cowboy town for sure. So it's safety standards aren't the same that they'd be in a major city. Um, we did have the issue of polar bears in Churchill. That was one thing I've never had to worry about on a job site. So that was an uh, experience I'll never forget. We had a, uh, a bear guard associated with us that was just hired to walk around the fort all day with a shotgun and make sure that we weren't going to get eaten while trying to be. <laughs> I think people think of polar bears like the Coca-Cola commercials, eh? but they, they're actually like absolutely vicious beasts. They're big and they're scary and uh, they're they're pretty hungry that time of year. There's where we were about a half a mile out. You could see the, the sea ice where it doesn't freeze anymore, where the 
the water coming out of Churchill, the fresh water is mixing with the salt water. So it's all open water there. And the polar bears just hang out there all day, fishing and hunting. And then they come into town at night to try to find whatever else they can, uh, people included. And yeah, we, it was, it was wild to have to do uh they're called bear sweeps. We do a, we do a job site bear sweep every single morning and our, uh, our bear guard would radio us in that it was okay to, to come to site. Wow. That's insane. That's not your typical challenge to deal with on a construction project for sure. So tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, for these pop-up restaurants and being, having the design, uh, you know, at least somewhat or, or maybe mostly, um, internally and having control of that, like what, what materials are you using for the structure? Uh, is there different materials used for, for glazing, for, for windows, uh, you know, just anything, um, you know, interesting about the assemblies on, on the envelope or a roof, just maybe kind of tell us a little bit about, uh, some, some of the ways, uh, the, the materials maybe are different. So with the Winnipeg ones, um, there is recycling in mind uh, because this can be pretty wasteful to build something temporary and then just putting it in a dumpster and sending it to a landfill when it's all done. So that's typically a, um, design intent and almost uh, a restraint of can this be recycled? Can it be taken down and reused or repurposed? So there's a lot of those conversations that happen early on. A um, lot, of, lot of pipe and clamp scaffolding. Um, the, the kitchen gets reused every single year in Winnipeg. So it's the same 40 by 20 kitchen that we have all prefabricated spray foam panels that tip up and then the kitchen layout goes inside and everything's wipeable and food safe. So that's, that's great as far as the waste, waste component goes um, for windbreaks and insulation. Uh, tarping also creates really unique lighting situations to let diffuse light through. Uh, so it makes these really beautiful interior um, sort of vignettes that are sort of unexpected happy accidents. As far as the Churchill uh, build went, it was modeled after a, I believe was supposed to be the inner hull of a ship. So it was all done out of uh, three ply LVLs built as A-frames. And then they would, it wasn't the same A-frame across the whole thing. It would undulate. So it sort of came out of the landscape and then dove back into it. And you'd enter in one side and then exit out the other. And the, uh, the Northern Lights in Churchill are world-renowned. People fly in from around the world to uh, experience them, along with the polar bears. So that was a, a massive component to this design that um, Ra Amon had put together. So in the dining room itself of this restaurant, we clad the whole A-frame in a crystal clear, uh, incredibly thick poly. And you dim the lights down and you would be, you know, having your beautiful, beautiful five course meal uh, underneath the Northern lights. So that was a really wow. unique experience to try to do a weatherproof, safe environment that was also completely clear in the middle of nowhere. Must be satisfying though, um, as an architect yourself to work on such a, unique project like i'm sure there must have been a level of satisfaction with those 
especially maybe the Churchill one that you just don't get from your typical, you know, fit up or home builder or whatnot. It's very satisfying and it's quite, um, you know, it, it's almost, I'm a, I'm a big camper. It, it's sort of uh, glamping for lack of a better term. So it's, it's quite nice to know that it doesn't have to be completely perfect because it is temporary and it's more about, you know, globally how it functions rather than you know what oh that baseboard didn't get silicone on the top of it we're not having those types of conversations that we would typically have when we're walking a commercial site or doing a punch list so there's something really nice about uh it's temporary nature can you tell us a little bit about you know the nature of these pop-up restaurants like as far as the disassembly um is the reuse uh what happens uh, after the season, is it taken apart, uh, you know, categorized and then, and then it's all set for the following winter season. Just Churchill one would, they haven't done it in a few years because of COVID. Um, but that one would get recycled each year. Uh, there's certain sacrificial components, like, you know, some sheeting won't go back together the exact same way it did last time. So some of the sheeting just ends up having to get thrown away. Uh, but the bones themselves definitely get reused, uh, every year if, if they do continue it, the ones in Winnipeg, um, the design is different every year. So a lot of times the bones of that are usually pipe and clamp scaffolding so that, um, those can just go back to a job site and be used, you know, for stucco or low rise buildings or what have you throughout the year. And then we can reuse them uh, for a quick little restaurant. So this is an ongoing uh, project then with the reassembly and, you know, each winter season for, for this client. Tell us how this came about. Is this, uh, you know, was it tendered? How would you price something? How'd you price the first one or how, how did that relationship work with uh, your team? And the client. Uh, I think maybe we we're the only ones stupid enough to agree to do it. <laughs> well, I don't know. I th- I'd say replace stupid with, uh, you know, courageous and, and risk taking, and well, maybe maybe a little bit. <laughs> That's very kind of you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, having a, a design background, these types of things are uh, they're enticing to our company, and. Um, they're fun. They're temporary. They're good for the city. Uh, you know, we may or may not get some free tickets out of it from time to time. So that also, uh, yeah, great, great, great spot for a date for the, for the girlfriend of the wife, huh? Yeah. I mean, it justifies me coming home completely <laughs> windburnt and exhausted so. <laughs> or gone for a month. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's great. Um, I wonder if, uh, just in context, maybe tell us a little bit about, um, eight twelve building solutions, uh, you know, maybe just a little bit about your background and, and obviously aside from, from the, the feature of this, of this, um, against the clock featured podcast with, with, uh, you know, these pop-up restaurant bills is, is such a unique, uh, such unique projects just for context, uh, a little about eight twelve building solutions and, and the company itself and, and the other, you know, services that you provide, be it residential, commercial, whatnot. So we are a general and commer- and residential and commercial general contractor in Winnipeg. Um, we primarily do new builds, major renovations and additions on the residential side. And on the commercial side, we do tenant improvements, uh, low rise buildings, multifamilies, um, 
anything kind of wicked and weird we also somehow end up getting roped into i think it's because of design background that um when an architect has a really great idea but has no idea how it's going to stand or align or any of those those buzzwords that architects bury in their drawings all the time um we we get the call for those as well or at least we we like to get the call so uh, and i think this will tie in you know to to our our featured episode on these unique projects as you, i think you mentioned yourself and, and your partner marco are both both from a design background um so being architects uh, having a design background um when you're taking on these projects uh, from a business standpoint can you speak on like the sort of risk analysis or you know sacrificing maybe margin or risk level for the satisfaction of unique projects obviously that's part of your mentality in taking on these these pop-up restaurants can you just speak a little bit on sort of how you and your business partner your, your management team kind of you know assess the risk uh, obviously it's a business you need to make margin um and then what you're willing to sacrifice on you know, the left to right brain thinking of like, you know, you want to be involved in these unique projects in the design side, but it's got to make sense numbers wise. Can you speak on, on that a little bit? It's a little long winded, but. So that's a, that's a great point. Um, to answer it shortly, the, these are the projects that don't, they don't make money. Let's just, let's be honest. They are, um, you know, good for PR, good for the city. Um, you know, they tie in our design background and sort of stimulate that part of the brain. Um, and, you know, they end up getting us referrals, which is great. So, you know, it's, it's sculptural, but it's also marketing at the same time, but it's also sort of campy, the whole thing. So the projects that keep the lights on are the, you know, the new builds and the commercial tenant improvements and things like that. Um, there's not much risk involved for us because we usually donate some time and it's usually done um, at a discounted rate, but um, we usually just do it on a, on a cost plus scenario. So everything's open book and these things tend to evolve and have to adapt quickly. So quoting them would be an absolute nightmare and there would have to be so many. Um, you really can't. You yeah, you you can't hard quote a project like that, right? So, and I, and I, I guess, you know, again, to your point, you know, you've got a lot of revenue happening with with your typical commercial residential, and then you're able to take these on as special projects, uh, with you know, without with knowing that you know that these aren't these aren't for for margin on, on the grand scheme of things. These are kind of on the side, and they serve a purpose in that regard. They're romantic, which is a part of being the owner of a construction business is there are there is some romance to the whole thing and that's why we why i got into it in the first place is that that pursuit amazing yeah i think you know people are romantic about sports they're romantic about about building too and that's uh it's kind of what eventually keeps us keeps us going um is there anything else you want to mention uh we, i think we've touched on a lot of uh of this uh you know of some of you know, eight twelve building solution story, your story, and and just you know this this uh, this theme of these pop up restaurants. Uh, anything we didn't touch on, maybe that uh, you feel our listeners should hear, or to to close out. Yeah, I mean, I suppose we could talk a bit about the weather there because I know that that is um, 
we're used to it, unfortunately. Uh, so I, but I know that it's can be shocking to hear some of the temperatures and the conditions from other people. So, uh, I can probably talk a bit about that. Absolutely. It's minus 62 when we got off the plane, uh, with the wind chill and we, I think we landed at about seven 30 in the morning and we we're supposed to be on site at nine 30. Um, it was a one hour tundra buggy ride. So this is basically, uh, a school bus on top of a monster truck and that's used as our site trailer quote unquote there's a, a couple of propane fireplaces in there to heat the space so we use that for keeping batteries warm keeping ourselves warm um warming up tools when they would go into cold delay uh being safe from bears as well so that we had a one hour commute on the tundra buggy across the the bay ice just from the port of Churchill, even to get to our, uh, our job site for the day. So that was, uh, uh, again, a unique experience. Um, and you're just, you're sort of looking out this, this buggy at this windswept, incredibly harsh landscape and thinking in that moment, what have I done? Why am I here? What are we doing? Uh, but you, uh, you know, <laughs> you must have some, there's some serious uh, doubt set in in that moment. <laughs> like, what are we doing? It was, uh, yeah, it was a bit eye-opening. We were just driving to, yeah. you know, you look out the front windshield and it just was to nowhere. We're like, where where are we going? Yeah, it's part of the adventure though. Yeah, so that was uh, definitely a very unique experience. And uh, temperatures, you know, I've, I've built in the low minus 50s with wind chill, but not, nothing like that. And then it being uh, wet, cold up there, which we don't really get a lot of in Manitoba. We're, we're dry, so minus 40 doesn't feel nearly as bad as a minus 20 in Halifax or Vancouver. Absolutely. But we're, we, had sea, we have sea ice that touches Manitoba, so being wet, cold in Manitoba at that temperature was absurd. You cannot dress for that no matter what you wear. So there's a lot of a lot of eye-opening moments and more warm-ups than we're used to in the, in the Tundra buggy. You mentioned, I think, uh, maybe prior to uh, going on air, something about uh, uh, past um, settlements. Uh, I think it might have been the early 1800s or something. It's a little bit of history there on one of the locations. Was that the Churchill Port uh, uh, where they had the Hudson Bay connection uh, on, that, on that project? Yeah, so most of the goods for uh, you know western from winnipeg west um before the advent of the railroad things would get shipped into the port of churchill and then they would get on a boat and sail south to winnipeg and then they would get on another boat and keep heading uh west on other rivers so most of the british shipments would come through churchill was a major major port so it was also a really strategic port uh, when the French and the British were fighting over uh, who was going to run Canada, basically. So the the restaurant that we built was inside of Fort Churchill, which is was strategically placed at the end of a peninsula and would guard the port and you know shoot down the French if they were showing up. And sometimes the French would be running it, and other times the British would be running it. So it changed it changed hands a few times. Oh, such an interesting uh, detail on that project. That's like, 
I think I think too the Hudson's Bay Company is I think it's the oldest company. It's the oldest Registered acting business. corporation, corporation on, the, yeah. on the planet. Yeah, it's, it's 16, 16 something. It's over four hundred years old. Yeah, insane. Those were different times, the trading days and and those things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah money didn't matter. It was goods. Brighter economy. Yeah, for sure. Um, man, those those are some great details. Uh, anything else, Marco? I mean, I could talk about the bar life in Churchill, but I don't know if that's going to go in the air or not. Oh, <laughs> uh, is there pop-up bars there as well? The, yeah, the bar, the one bar in town was, everyone was there. It was bingo night and um, definitely a little worrying seeing your, your bear guard at the bar. <laughs> He's off duty. Don't have too yeah. many. Don't have too many there. You got to, we oh, need you man. in the morning, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> That's great, man. It's just a great, uh, it's been a great chatting with you, uh, on this, uh, kind of blown away with, uh, you know, you, you hear about, um, so many of these projects that go on, right. You don't always know about them or hear about them, but, uh, it's nice to get to dig in with you on, on these and, uh, and hear about, uh, such a, such a unique, uh, build, uh, such unique builds. It's, uh, it's crazy. I can't imagine building, uh, school or a gym or a rec center you know a lot of companies do that up north and i can only imagine the challenges that they would face like ours was easy by those standards we were four days to build it and two days to take it down so it was uh it was it was quick and dirty compared to months on a on an island you can only probably get to get materials to by ice road and uh flying in and out and all that that stuff yeah oh that's a good point i mean you know and those would be you know much larger corporations and logistics and systems in place for such such drastic uh uh you know organization for those things but still for for your company uh to to take these on it's it's impressive and congrats on that and uh yeah it's been it's been great to uh to talk to you today and and i i know our our listeners uh, in the east coast and uh, Central Canada, and, and and we have some Western Canada too. We'll we'll enjoy uh, tuning into this episode. It's it's definitely one of the most unique uh, story wise uh, episodes we we've had. On we're 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 pushing toward sixty uh, some odd episodes now. So so thank you for for being a special one. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, and thanks for having me. And congrats on uh, all the success of the podcast. Cheers, Marco. Thank you.